Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. Um, this is going to be a spirited and informative conversation that we'll have this afternoon. Um, you know, I can remember when the Kerner Report was published. I was 18 years old. I thought of myself at the time as being a black liberator. My hero was H. Rap Brown. And, <laughs> and um, I think a lot of people my age thought of what was going on in America at the time that way. I remember my father, his reaction to the Kerner Report, and it was that, wow. He wasn't surprised with the content, but he was surprised that it happened, that a, a, a commission that was the majority white males, I think there were only two black people on the commission, they basically confirmed what most black Americans already knew about the country and what was happening to it. So it was a matter of being surprised that there was this level of, if I can use a today phrase, wokeness on the part of white folks back in 1968 when it came to trying to analyze what had happened to black people. The other observation that I make about the Kerner Report 52 years later, it's a report that mirrors a lot of what's happening today in America. We have this white wokeness all of a sudden. People marching on the street, uh, carrying Black Lives Matter signs. And a lot of black people are looking at it going, wow, wow, what? They, they, they came around that fast on the heels of a couple of profound events. And there's some other similarities about 1968 and 2020. Number one, the Democratic Party right now is taking a hard turn to the left. Well, in 1968, the Democratic Party was taking a hard turn to the left. Remember, Hubert Humphrey was the establishment candidate. He went on to win the nomination. But there was Eugene McCarthy. There was Robert Kennedy, who would be assassinated a few months after the Kerner Report w was released and a few weeks after Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated. And then there was George McGovern, whose time had not come, but he would be the candidate, of course, in 72, but he was out there lurking around in 68, representing the left of the Democratic Party. And last but not least, George Wallace was out there. If you remember George Wallace, segregation then, segregation now, segregation forever. He was out there. So it was a hotly contested Democratic primary that year, the same as this year. So there's a lot of things to consider about the Kerner Report when it was released, what was happening at the time it was released, the fact that America went law and order that following November after the Kerner Report was released, which um, I think was uh, basically a prelude to the fact that it would be ignored in the subsequent 50 years. 
So those are my observations just going into this conversation that there's a lot of similarities between now and then and what's going to happen coming up. Hermine? Amen to everything that Charles has said. You know, it's, I too was a student uh, when the Kerner Report came out, and we studied the Kerner Report in, uh, in class along with uh, the Federalist Papers and Thomas Jefferson and all the great writings. It's very interesting to look at this report today and reflect backwards. There were two black um, commissioners on the report, Senator Edward Brooks and uh, Wilkins. What's also interesting is Otto Kerner, who was commissioned to do the, off the Kerner report by President Johnson Great Society. Uh, as you may know, uh, Kerner was the 33rd governor of Illinois from 61 to 68. And uh, he was quite the political guy. His wife was a Cermak, Cermak's daughter. Of course, he was uh, affiliated with uh, Mayor Daley. And I think this is an important footnote of history. This report is a realism and a mirror of American society. Uh, Kerner made America look in the mirror. He did, not, uh, he did not fizzle this report. This is a real report on where America is. And basically what he says in a real sweet summary is that there are two Americas, one white and one black. As you may know, after this report, Kerner went to jail. Kerner was prisoned for what they called mail fraud, 17 accounts of mail fraud. Now, Kerner wasn't a fool. Kerner was a pretty smart guy. And uh, the political scuttlebutt was Kerner went to jail because of the reality, the truth that he wrote about in the Kerner report. So if you haven't read it, and I hope you have, but I went, uh, the Kerner Report was a bestseller of its day. I think in the first week they did about 750,000 copies at less than $2 a book. That was a long time ago, Charles. Uh, the, the Kerner Report is on eBay now. You can get it for $315. And uh, if you uh, do what I did and just um, download it, it's only $29.95. Uh, but this is a very, this is a benchmark report for America. The other interesting things that I found about the Kerner Report in these race riots, because this report came from race riots, and Johnson wanted to know who, he wanted to know what, and he wanted to know why, and what can we do about it. And that's kind of what we want to talk about tonight. But in 1919, there was also a report. Guess where everything starts? We live in such a wonderful place. It always starts in Chicago. Uh, we are always in the center of it. So these are Chicago-stimulated, Chicago-centric, if you will, uh, reports that really reflect the nation. 
Uh, I want to bring up Reverend Marvin Hunter, and I want you all to give him a round of applause. And not just because that he's Reverend Hunter, but this is brilliant. To look at America from the eyes of Lawndale today, 52 years later, and if you've read the report in its summary or in its entirety or in portions, this is like reading the newspaper today. This is like you picked up the New York Times, the L.A. Times, Washington Post, and like this is a, a reporter talking about today's occurrences. And it's absolutely amazing. We keep reinventing the wheel. I don't know if you all read me or not. But if you do, you know one of the things that I've said as I was, Charles, at one point at the University of Chicago and been in a lot of those meetings, that they cannot study us anymore. They have studied us from hair on the top of our head to toenails on the bottom of our feet. We have been studied to death. It is time for some action. It is time for a plan to implement and to execute. I don't know what more studies can reveal on employment, on education, and on crime, and on white policemen, and incarceration, and on and on and gone. It's just a litany. It's time for some action. Reverend Hunter, I applaud you. I think this is brilliant for us to look at this report. One, 52 years later. But two, I think it's just fascinating for us to look at it from American, from the eyes of Lawndale. And as we use our new technologies, the podcast, which you're looking at tonight, will be a summary of what's to come on the podcast where you will be able to hear the individuals here talk more thoroughly uh, about the Kerner Report and today of where we are. Having said that, please, Reverend. Oh, let me say one more thing, Reverend Hunter. One more thing I got to say, because I want to congratulate uh, the New York Times for their brilliance in capitalizing the B in black. Y'all give them applause. I say that very satirically. It has taken, it was W.E. Du Bois who started writing in 1930. He started writing the newspapers, the major newspapers, a letter to say, please capitalize the N in Negro because it's disrespectful if you don't. And today I follow his footsteps in saying thank you for capitalizing the B in black and all of that to say it took us 401 years to be capitalized and recognized as a proper noun. I am just thankful and grateful for God to be back in the house of God. This pandemic kind of kept everybody at home. But the urgency 
of now brought us back to this place that I call the local focal point of an earthly place to make a heavenly connection with God. Thank everyone that has agreed to come out. I want to first of all thank uh, my partner, my friend, my sister, Miss Yosef. Come on, let's give her a hand. God bless you. She's the hardest working woman. Oh, God. If somebody don't make her go to sleep, she'll work 24 hours and work you along with her. <laughs> I want to thank all of our panelists and our hosts that are here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, let me get right to uh, why we're here today because we, we don't have much time. I'm reading to you uh, a summary. Hermine said, Reverend Honey, you need a summary or something. You, you have to have something. And I was like, well, I'll I, I put it together. She said, no, you have to have something. So I said, okay, Hermine. So here's another three nights of staying up trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> so I prayed, and this is what God gave me. And it reads like this, Pastor Marvin Gay Hunter's 2020 summary of the visiting of the 1967 Colonel Report summary and town hall meeting, America from the Eyes of Lawndale. The basic conclusion of the 1967 Colonel Report is that our nation at this time was moving towards two societies, one black and one white, separate and unequal. This discrimination and segregation have long permeated much of American life. They now threaten the future of every American, and once again, we as Americans. I'd like to tell you that this deep and racial divide is not in, in, invincible. The movement of heart can be reversed. Choice is still possible. Our principal task today is to defeat, is to, def to defend the choice. Our principal task today is to defend the choice and press for a national resolve. We encourage the United States Senate. This is from my heart. I think we need to do this. We encourage the United States Senate to call for a federal investigation and probe into the riots here in Chicago and across the country so that we can find out, watch this, number one, what happened. We can find out, number two, why it happened. We can find out, number three, what can be done to prevent it from ever happening again. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot continue to having the cities of America burn. It's the greatest country in the world. It brags to be the freest country in the world. It should not be the hottest country in the world because it's burning. Amen? We need to have a country left for our children and our children's children. We won't if we burn it up. Once again, we discover that to pursue our present course, will involve the continual polarization of the American community and ultimately the destruction of basic democratic values. The alternative is not blind repression or capitulation to lawlessness. It is the re revitalization of common opportunity for all within the single society, within a single society. That's right. One nation under God, individual, with liberty and justice for all. The alternative will require a commitment to national action. It needs to be compassionate, massive, sustained, 
and backed by the resources of the most powerful and richest country on the earth. From every American, it will require new attitudes, new understandings, and above all, a new will. The vital needs of the nation must be met. Hard choices must be made, and if necessary, new taxes erected. Don't run, Congressman Davis, but we, we may need new taxes on this. <laughs> Violence cannot build a better society. Disruption and disorder nurse repression and not justice. They strike at the freedom of every citizen. The community cannot and will not tolerate coercion and mob rule from outside sources. In the streets of America and from my heart, on the streets of the city of Chicago. Segregation and poverty have created in the racial urban cities of America a destructive environment totally unknown to most white Americans. What white Americans have never fully understood, but what blacks and Negroes, as the old word used to say, can never forget is that white society is deeply implicated in the plight of the urban communities, formerly known as the ghettos. White institutions created it, white institutions maintain it, and white society to this date condone it and benefit from it. Yes, once again, America, we are here to remind you that it is time now to turn with all purpose at our command to the majority unfinished business of this nation. It is time to adopt strategies for action. Strategies for action. Strategies for action that will produce quick and visible progress. We can't keep kicking the can down the road. We need this now. We need a sort of Marshall Plan now. It is time to make good on the promise of America that we are one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all citizens, including black citizens. Violence and destruction must be ended in the streets of black America and in the lives of all people. It is time to make good the promises of American democracy to all citizens, urban and rural alike white and black, Spanish surnames, American Indians, and every minority group. We are here today in the community that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said that the man with the ability to change it is the man that has the ability to change the world. We come to announce to America that we are here to collect on a check that you've written and it came back insufficient funds. America, the gravity of the problem and pressing need for actions are too clear to allow for further delay. Our recommendations today, therefore, to mount programs on a scale equal to the dimensions of the problems, to aim these programs for high impact in the immediate future in order to close the gap between promise and performance, to undertake new initiatives and experiments that can change the systems of failure and frustration that now dominate the urban communities once known as ghettos and weaken our society, American society. These programs will require unprecedented levels of funding and performance, but 
they neither probe deeper nor demand more than the problems that we're facing in this country. There can be no higher priority for our nation's action and no higher claim on our nation's conscience. We are here today and the streets of America are being rioted on and burned because of incidents like George Floyd, incidents like my great nephew Laquan McDonald. It must stop. It can stop. This Kerner report showed us how to stop it. We need a wealth transfer, an equalization and the distributing of wealth in this country. We can do it. And we're better together, America. So let's do it. God bless you. Thank you.